0: to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. I am so looking forward to being back with you this week. We have a really fun topic to talk about. I've got a number of points that I want to share with you that are bound to change the game for you in your education business today's uh episode title is build a community not a program. So if you are a coach, a leader, an educator in the online space, and you have any number of students or clients, whatever you call them, we're going to talk about that. What do we call our students? This is the episode for you. I cannot believe we are already in October. This year has flown by. I am super excited for the last 90 days of this calendar year because guess what? I started. I Kicked off 75 hard on October 1st. I'm on my day five because it's October 5th. Super easy. It was like perfect timing to start on the first day of the month, but it is going really well. Getting my two workouts in a day, one outdoors, a gallon of water a day, 10 pages of reading, all healthy meals, no cheap meals. I think the other thing is the other requirement is a progress picture every day. I'll tell you, The most challenging part of 75 hard is getting that gallon of water in. I can get it in, but man, you are getting up to go to the restroom like three or four times an hour. It is nuts. It's nuts. But I'm loving it, loving it. I was at an event last week, a real estate investing mastermind event. I'm part of that mastermind where I serve as someone who is a specialist in Creating a more superior client experience for your programs, for your clients to really make more profits from retention and referrals. And a lot of the people in the real estate investing mastermind that I'm a part of, they have education based businesses in addition to their real estate business and came away with so many ideas. One of the speakers on this stage who I'd heard before only had about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to share. And he was telling a story of a client that he'd worked with. And he was using that story to illustrate how so many of us who are you know, self-proclaimed overachievers, we're high performers, uh, we've been able to create a lot in our lives without having to put forth a ton of effort. And we can produce equal or better than results compared to a lot of folks who are really operating at their level eight, nine, or ten. And he was speaking about how so many of us are really walking around operating at a level two, a level three, a level four, but we have the ability to produce level eight, nine, and 10 results. And it really made me think about uh, my childhood and my teenage years when I was in school and I was playing sports. I was one of the best athletes. I was the top tennis player. I was the first seed my freshman year. I was in the top 10 people in my graduating class. I didn't really have to study that much. I was in all advanced courses in school. Things just weren't hard for me and I didn't have to work really really hard to be one of the best. And when you become an adult and that's kind of become this pattern and this habit and this way of thinking for you, it doesn't always work out in your favor. So that was a very uh come to Jesus moment for me and it invited me to analyze every area of my life from my home life, my relationships, my friendships, uh, my spiritual side, my health and well-being, my business, how I'm showing up, how I am showing up in conversations, how I'm showing up in my day-to-day life, my morning routine, my getting ready to go to sleep routine, all of it. It's really made me evaluate. And so my business partner and I, Nikki, we are walking around and constantly talking to each other about being level 10. We are, are we being a level 10 right now? Or, you know, hyping each other up like this is all about, you know, level 10, level 10, level 10. So just came away with so much goodness from that. It's always so fantastic to be in the room with people who are such contributors and givers and people who truly want to see you win. It's really incredible. It's, Uh, I haven't been in very many rooms that are built on that kind of culture where everybody in the room really is part of the fabric of that culture, and it's just been so incredible. Not the only room I've ever been in like that, but definitely one of the few. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode on build a community, not a program. I've got, let's see, 12 different points that I'm going to run through. So this is definitely an episode where you might want to take out a notebook, your journal, a pen, jot these things down, take some notes. I am sharing what I've experienced inside of other people's communities and programs that I'm sharing from that place. I'm sharing from just learning from what other leaders and educators share That works for them and their community. There was a really great presentation that was given last week at the Real Estate Investing Mastermind that I attended by Pace Morby. He is uh, the Sub2 guy. So if you look him up on Instagram, he's on Instagram a lot, uh, you'll hear him call his community the Sub2 community. He gave a fantastic presentation all about building community inside of your program. So some of these things are things that he said, and I'll make sure I mention that Uh, Other, you know, I had a, I have a master's degree in education. I was a public school teacher in the physical face-to-face classroom. I also taught online for North North Carolina virtual public schools. I have run 30, 35, 40 iterations of my own group coaching programs. I was a director of client success at Divine Living, which is owned by Gina DeVee. Uh, I was over there for three and a half, four years and, you know, have run a lot of my own group programs and masterminds, and I've run 20, 25 of my own retreats, and now do a lot of uh, high-level advisory and uh, consultant consultancy inside of seven, high seven, and eight, multiple eight-figure education-based businesses. So what I'm going to share with you is what I've experienced, what I've seen, and what we know works especially when it comes to creating a client base with longevity, increasing the lifetime value of your clients, and making more of your profit from retention and referrals inside of your program. You know, it is no fun to be spending either a lot of time and manual hours or money, whether that is paying team members to do organic or cold outreach and or spending thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars a month on paid advertising to acquire clients just to see them fall out of your leaky bucket on the back end. So, you know, all that money spent, you know, it's kind of a wash if our clients aren't sticking around. So how do we create what really is the glue? for people staying in your ecosystem and in your environment and continuing to buy from you, whether it's the same offer or it's or lots of different offers that you have inside of your ecosystem, what really creates that? So let's dive in. Number one, number one is uh, this is something that not the first time I've heard this. I also do this inside of, or I don't run big coaching programs anymore, but also did this inside of the coaching programs that we ran for many years. But Pace Morby, this was the number one tip that he gave from stage. He shared like 22 different things last week when I got to hear him speak and, and also meet him and had a great conversation with him. Never call your clients, clients. Never call your students, students. So in your group programs, in your education programs, you you more than likely, or maybe you don't, maybe you do have a name for them, which is amazing because you're ahead of the game. A lot of folks will call their clients, clients. So refer to the people in their programs as their clients. They'll talk about their clients when they write social media posts, when they are talking about them, uh, when they're writing, writing posts, when they're on stories, on video, they refer to, to their own clients as clients in front of them, uh, or you'll hear students a lot. So in coaching programs, lots of times they'll call the client a client in more of an education Teaching, advisory, consulting type of program where it is more teaching based, less just straight up coaching based. Oftentimes, they will refer to their students as students. Um, one thing that Pace said from stage, he was talking talking a lot about language and the definition of language and what um, when you say certain words to people, what do those words mean to them? And he said, "Well, student, what how that registers in someone's mind is, oh, I'm only here temporarily." So if you're calling your students students or your clients clients, the way those two words students and clients are are resonating with that person's mind in your program, uh, who is paying to be in your program is oh I'm only here for a little while I'm only here temporarily which means they already have on their mind what am I going to do next when am I going to exit here what am I going to purchase next who am I going to work with next they're already consciously or subconsciously thinking about their exit, which means they're already on their way out. They're already on their way out. And that can start happening as early as the first 90 days of being in your program. Even if your program is a year long, they could be thinking of that already. Uh, Another, another. uh, Oh, so, okay. So you're probably like, okay, Megan. Well, uh, I was about to move on to number two, but if we're not calling our clients clients and we're not calling them students, what are we calling them? Well, here's two ideas. Uh, One is to call them members. Refer to the people in your programs as members because now, how does the word member resonate with the members inside your program? Oh, I'm here to stay. I am part of the family. I'm part of the community. I belong here. These are my people. This feels like home to me. Uh, I can't wait to get together in person. I'm here for the long haul. I couldn't imagine going anywhere else. I couldn't imagine having you people in my life. That's the kind of that's the kind of mindset that you want to create that you want to develop, which is all based on the environment that you're creating and the culture you're creating on the client and program delivery side. So, you can call them members, you can call them community members, refer to them as that, or call them partners. I actually started referring to my clients years ago as partners. I was putting it in my marketing language. So you're not just waiting to call the people in your programs, community members or partners, once they've already purchased from you in your marketing, whether it's video or written or audio, you're referring to them as your partner or your community member, even at the level of marketing, so that you are bringing people in also who are really looking for that something bigger than themselves they're looking for that sense of belonging and they are going to be a more contributing member once they're in that is very key very important number 2 use words in your language like we ours and us this is our community we are building this together this is about us not don't do not use words like me my Mine, I, or you, and oftentimes, and we've—I'm sure we've all done this as well, right? Uh, people will refer to their community as my community, my clients, my women, my ladies, right? We—that doesn't really build that. The, then it's all about you. And let me just be really clear, very frank with you up front: people are not staying in your ecosystem because of you. They are staying in their your ecosystem because of the community. They are not staying for you. They are staying for the community. So if you're constantly using words like me, mine, my, I, the message you're sending to the people in your program, your community members is, oh, this is all about her or oh this is all about him. This really isn't about us. This really isn't about we. This really isn't about the community easy one to change your language around. People are seeking a place where they belong. Using language like that helps them feel it's creating the culture of belongingness and something they are a part of that is a lot bigger than they are. Number three, I already said this in in number two. I'll just state it as number three. We'll move on. Oh, I may have a little story around here, around this one. People will not stay for you. They will stay for the community. That's number three. Now, I recognize this uh, in... This was back in two, that probably 2014 or 2000, 2014, 2015. I was working at Divine Living. Uh, Gina DeVee is the owner and founder of Divine Living. I was the director of client success, director of programs. Uh, I think my title was academy director while I was there. Created the programs, traveled the world, went to all the live events, um, was really the right hand on the program and fulfillment and delivery side of the business. And we hosted four fulfillment events that came with the 12-month program that our community members were a part of. And we would host those in LA, Miami, Florence, Sydney, Paris, all over the world. And I remember we were in Paris. It was our September event, which would have been the third of four events because our program was a year-long program that ran January to December. And uh Gina was pitching from the stage, I believe, on the second day, maybe after lunch. And we pass out the order forms. Uh, you know, everybody's sitting at round tables. We had a longer break. So our break was about 30 or 35 minutes because people were filling out their forms. They were making their decision, bringing it to the back of the room and turning it in, had all their credit card information on it. Yes, I want to join for another year. Or, yes, I want to join and I want to upgrade to. the the higher level advanced business mastery program that we had, or the higher level advanced coaching mastery program that we had. And I was sitting in the AV booth. I remember this so distinctly. I was sitting in the AV booth and I was watching the clients starting to talk to each other. And some of them were gathering with the other folks that were sitting at their round table in the ballroom. I remember this group of 12 or 15 women kind of all collected and made their way out into the foyer area outside the doors of the ballroom there were some high tables out there and they're just kind of all huddled around i would see uh, other women like stand up and walk over to another group of women you could tell that people were getting together with those who they were probably closer with or had developed really close bonds and friendships with and they were talking to each other about what they were going to do and you know, sitting in the AV booth I could I could overhear some of the conversations but I remember I started walking around the room and you know some people had questions about renewing and what that meant and how it was different than what they just did so I was fielding some of those questions but as I walked around and I overheard the conversations it became very clear and obvious to me that people were making their decision to remain in the program for an additional year or upgrade To a higher level program that was being offered because they didn't want to leave each other. And they would say that out loud. They would say those words I can't imagine not being with you, ladies. I can't imagine my life without this community. Nobody was talking about the leader. Nobody was saying they couldn't leave the leader. Nobody was saying anything about the curriculum. Nobody was saying anything about the training. They were staying and they were investing another five figures or multiple five figures for a second year in a row because they felt like they were part of a community that had become so close-knit and such a part of their lives, they couldn't imagine life without those people in it and being in that particular community. That is what creates the retention and the profit on the back end. And that was 2015. And I know that was 2015 because now that I'm sharing this story, I remember in 2014, the program that I helped develop is a flagship program that I helped develop. We had hundreds of people who were buying it a year. And one of our dreams upon the inception of this program, which sold in 2013, that was the first time we sold it to 212 people. We were, our mindset was to create a community that would stick around for years. And I remember that first year that we invited people to re-enroll in the program again. Our first mistake is that we waited too long. So we waited into the very last event, which was the very last month that they were in the program. And people had already made their decision about what they were going to buy. And some of them have ar- had already bought another program working with another leader because we waited about three months too long. So that's the other tip. Don't ever wait until the very end of a program to move people into the program again. Uh, And we had 10 or fewer people who actually renewed in that program. Now, I remembered that we were upset. We were sad because you develop these relationships with people and you you don't want them to leave. But also you knew, oh, my God, like we have to have such an incredible launch because we've got to fill like we've got to fill 200 seats all over again. We've got to fill 200 seats. At that time, the way this program was structured is there was a cap on the number of people who could be in it. I know one year, I think we had over 300 people in it, but um, it was kind of a devastating blow. It was a devastating financial blow. Now, of course, we turned around and had a launch that was even more successful than the first launch, but that is so much heavy lifting. And I remember the heavy lifting on the team. I remember uh, for that particular launch, we were working six days a week eight, nine hours a day for four months in a row to fill the program the next year. And it was so much heavy lifting because we didn't have all those renewals and that recurring monthly revenue to really rely on. And it almost felt like you were starting over all over again. So no bueno. Okay, number four, let's move on. Number four, building a community, not a program. That is create leadership opportunities for your community members. Create leadership opportunities for your community members. Now, when I say community members, I'm talking about your clients. These are people who are enrolled in your program. They have invested to be in your program. And the leaders, they should be people who are uh, alumni, which means they have been through whatever your... Uh, you know, rules are, uh, they have been in your world. They've been in your ecosystem and in your programs, and they've really proven themselves through providing support to other people, being a contributing member, uh, engaging, participating, but also getting really, really amazing results, turn them into leaders. Now that doesn't mean that you are paying them They're This is not a paid, uh, contract position. They are not a freelancer. They're not a, Employee part time or full time, but you are creating opportunities for them to grow. Just like when you're building a team of employees, nobody is going to stay on your team if there is not an opportunity for them to be a leader and to grow. And somebody's just going to stay in the same position. You know, some people want that, but if we're talking about growth minded people here, nobody wants to have a job and be on a team where they know they can't move up or have any bigger leadership opportunity for the next 20 years. Those people are going to leave. They are going to go find somewhere where they have more leadership opportunity. It's the same with your clients. Create leadership opportunities for your clients. The first person who I saw do this really, really well in terms of uh, me being a, a client inside of the ecosystem or a community member, um, it was with Michael Burnoff, which Michael Burnoff has never referred to us as students, never referred to us as clients. We are part of the community. You are treated part of the community. You ought believe you're part of the community. Every single, everything that happens, every word that is spoken, every event that is held, it is structured and facilitated in a way that we are all part of what we are learning. We are part of sharing. We are part of delivering. We are part of receiving. We are part of the community. And if it weren't for us, none of this would be possible. And I remember the very first in-person event that I went to that was part of the program I invested in. There were a lot of people in the lobby waiting to go into the main area where we were going to be working together. And there were about 40, 50, 60, 50 or 60 of us. And I started... Yeah, um. I didn't know anybody in the room. So I went completely by myself. And one of the conversation starters that was easy for me was asking people how long they had been coming to these events. And if it was their first time, I think that was a question I was asking because it was my first time. So that was something that I found to be relatable. And I can't tell you how many people told me, oh, this is my fifth event. This is my 10th event oh, this is my 15th event. And I'm like, what? What? Like This is unheard of that somebody has clients that keep coming back to the same event. And it wasn't just a one-time ticket. It was a year-long investment. But the deliverables of the program, it was all in-person events, like five or six in-person events in Arizona. And I was like, whoa. And people were telling me, oh, I've been here five years. Oh, I've been here 12 years. Oh, I've I've been in Michael's world 15 years. And I'm like, Holy cow, what is someone doing that people stay for three, five, eight, 10, 15 years and they keep buying into the same thing every single year? And so, you know, I had on a student cap because I was there to receive and contribute. And I was also looking at from a just studying and a research perspective. And what I noticed, you know, we're on number four here, creating leadership opportunities for communities for the for inside your community. The this particular event that I went to, uh, it was very experiential. And it was all about practicing and working with each other and having conversations with each other and doing activities and exercises with other people in the room. And there were a group of about 15 to 18 people in the room who were there attending. They had invested to be there. They were our peers. They were a member just like me, no different than me, but they had been in longer. They had come many, many times, years in a row, and they were considered a leader. They had a different color lanyard on, and they would lead some of the exercises and activities when we went off in small groups. So they were basically helping those of us who were newbies really learn the activities and exercises. Michael couldn't do that by himself. I mean, he could stand at the front of room. He could demonstrate it. He could send us all off, but he can't be in you know fourteen small groups at a time. And there was an actual tra- leadership training program that if you were invited to be a leader, I don't, I don't, I think it was like part of it you had to apply and part of it is you had to be invited. Then you had to go through some leadership training. But he has those leaders who are leaders at his bigger public live event and at all of his smaller events. So give your own uh, community members opportunities to be leaders. Okay, we've got so much more to cover. So I'm going to have to speed it up, speed it up. Number five, when new people join your program or your community, assign them to an alumni member. It's kind of piggybacking off of number four, I remember I joined a program a couple of years ago. It was a very large investment of about $50,000. And the onboarding part of the onboarding process was great. I had one on one calls with team members. I got to meet the team. I knew, you know, where I accessed all the things to be part of the program, created my, you know, created a little personalized plan for what my goals were, and then showed up to my first group Zoom call and it was very obvious that there were only a few of us who were new and there were a lot of people on the zoom call who had been there a lot longer than we had been on there and they were before the call started they were all talking they were chatting and you could it was very obvious that they knew each other really well and there were even you know like some inside jokes that were being said and here you are and no one's introducing you no one's saying hello to you You don't know who any of these people are. And then the program starts and there's training. And then you just sort of feel like an outsider. And in this particular program, I felt like an outsider up until our first and only live event where we got to meet in person for a two-day live event. And we begged so much for another in-person live event that they did a one-day live event about four or five months later to get us all back together. But it was the getting together... That's That was the first moment where I even entertained the idea of, huh, I could possibly do this program again. I ended up not, but, and, but I would go back and buy other offers from this same uh, organization for sure. And I refer them a lot. I didn't have a bad experience, but I never felt like I was part of something bigger than myself. And what would have changed all of that is if they had a... System in place that when new people join and there are already existing members, you assign an existing member or alumni to the new person coming in to welcome them, to hold their hand a little bit, to introduce them to other people, and just make them feel welcome and make them feel at home. Sort of like if you were in a sorority or a fraternity, I was, and I had a big sister. And then the next year during recruitment, uh, if I was in my second year, I was a big sister to a little sister. And you're just really taking their hand and holding their hand and guiding them and, and showing them around and letting them know, this is how it works. And I'm going to introduce you to some really amazing people and give you some awesome opportunities. That would build community really fast. Number six, create an environment and ecosystem that your community members do not want to leave. So here's a tip. Build a business based on the needs of your community members, those become your future offers and brand. Brendan Burchard is a very good example of this. He absolutely did this. And then I'll tell you a quick story. I'm gonna, I've am going to had this person on my show before, Liz Nicholas. She was a client of mine first. Then she uh, was uh, a contributor on my team and inside my programs. And then now I'm a client of hers, which is really cool. So I'm going to have her on the show soon because we're going to do a new series called The New Era of Education. And I'm going to have her come and talk about this. So I won't give away all the secrets, but she has done this really well. I was the coach who helped her go from a predominantly one-on-one coaching practice for a decade into branching into um, doing courses and groups, starting her first Facebook group for the public. That's where she does all of her live launches And then she fills her programs. Well, when she and I first started working together, all we did was create her first level program, which was a six-week mindset course. And she sold it. And she gets about three or four weeks in. And you know, a lot of people are like, I'm going to create my whole Ascension model. I'm going to go ahead and create every offer that I'm going to give for the next three years. And I remember our conversation was, well, I don't know what to offer next, right? Like, I I don't know what my clients want next yet. So she got about... 60 to 70% of the way through teaching the first six week course. And they started asking her what's next, what's next. And they started telling her what they wanted. And that's when she created level two. So now she has a 12 week. It's like level one is six weeks or 14 weeks. Level two is eight weeks. And then once she did her first level two, they get, you know, six weeks in, you know, like 75% of the way in 60, 75% of the way. in. they're like, what's next? What's next? Then she creates what they wanted next. She created a six-month mastermind. She did those three for years, I think three years. And then all of her alumni are like, we don't have anywhere to go. We took the, uh, she had her mastermind capped so it can only be as many as 20 people. While well, they're not gonna keep taking the course over again because it's the same coursework, and so people for years, alumni begged her, where can we go? Create something for us. Where can we go? And so uh, not too long ago, I believe it was earlier this year, or the very, it might have been the very end of last year, she came out with a uh, membership, a subscription where uh, all of her alumni could go. So you have to be a graduate of her programs, her level one and level two. Then you can go inside of her, her subscription uh, offer and be part of the community there. And it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, people don't want to leave. I mean, people were begging her to create more ways for them to stay in the ecosystem uh, because they want to stay part of the community. And they want to continue to learn and grow. So create an environment, and ecosystem that your community members don't want to leave. Number seven, create pathways for different types of clients. I've talked at length about this on the show. Create Client success plans, call them what you want. Client growth plans, client success plans. No two clients are identical. You've got people with different personalities, different strengths, weaknesses, uh, home lives, um, lifestyles, learning styles, different goals. Every single one of your clients should be on a pathway inside your program and your ecosystem and community that works for them, not a pathway that works for you. This is going to help more people in your community be successful more quickly and then sustain that success. Two things underneath number seven. uh, Every single one of your clients should be on a client success plan or client success pathway. I've done a lot of episodes on that topic. Go listen to them. And then every single one of your clients should have a client success mentor. Your client success mentors could be your existing community members who are at the alumni level. You do not have to go pay uh, a bunch of associate coaches a lot of money who've never been your clients before and have never been through your curriculum to do that. There are, again, this is another way to create a leadership opportunity for your most loyal, successful clients who are big givers, okay? Number eight, um, have your student leaders lead... Again, I'm just giving you another idea for creating a community where people stay longer. Um, I was in a program. It was actually a mindset program. Last year, it was Liz Nicholas, level one, level two. And we had one call a week that was about 90 minutes to two hours. They were on Thursday evenings. And once a week, we also were required to get together with our accountability pod. You can call them whatever you want. Well, every single accountability pod You've got to have a leader for that or nothing gets done. You've got to have somebody who picks the day, the time, make sure everybody knows about it, make sure everybody shows up, make sure you talk about what you're supposed to talk about, make sure everybody gets airtime. Well, she had to come up with who, which one of the, the community members is going to be the pod leader. I was one of the pod leaders and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oftentimes, I will hear leaders and coaches say, I can't ask my client to be a leader because that's more work for them. What if they don't want to do it? I'm not paying them. If you're creating a culture of contribution and giving back and supporting and real true community, you're not going to have people in your world. And if you do, they're probably not the best fit for your culture who push back on that. I was more than happy to be the pod leader so will some of your clients. So will some of your clients. Uh, Number nine, make sure any of your community member leaders, remember your community members are your current clients who are paying you, that you're just creating leadership opportunities for them. Make sure your leaders are successful in your program. They will be better leaders and mentors for your students. So if, if you've got leaders who are really struggling uh, they are not moving forward they're not taking action then you need to remove them from that leadership position and put someone in the leader pro- leadership position who is because you are one person and if you have hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people in your programs and in your ecosystem you cannot touch every single one of them in the same way number 10 create alumni opportunities i've already listed a lot if they are an existing like paying member of your community I've already given you a lot of alumni opportunities, but let me share with you. You also have alumni who are no longer paying clients of yours. They're still on your list. They're still connected to you on social media. They're still on your text list. They're still paying attention to you. You can reactivate them. Um, I know of an organization because I was a client in the organization. It was the one I talked about earlier where I didn't really feel like super welcomed into the group by the community because there just wasn't anything in place. It was a phenomenal program, phenomenal leader, but there just wasn't anything in place to really build community the way I wanted it and the way I was looking for it. What they have done so beautifully, they actually have a full-time team member who part of their role is to oversee alumni who are no longer existing paying community members. They provide a once a month newsletter just for alumni They periodically, I think maybe once a month or once a quarter, they do an alumni only training. These are people not even paying them right now they have one-on-one calls with you just to find out what you're up to, what your business looks like, what your goals are, what trainings you would like to hear. And what they're doing is they are giving you so much value and staying so connected to you and creating what it is that you want and even creating other other offers and businesses for what people are asking for that the likelihood of you coming back into the ecosystem drastically goes up. So that's a really, really smart move to make something else that you can do with your alumni. Now, this would be the alumni that are currently paying clients of yours. If you are running challenges, live launches, um whatever you call them, you know, whatever you're calling your launches to enroll new people into your program. Again, rather than going out and hiring all kinds of people to be full-time team members of yours, cuz that's eating into your profit bucket, turn your alumni community members that are current community members, into people who are helping you run your challenges and run your live launches. They're going to be the best candidates to do that. Where you compensate them is for any of the sales that they close, you can give them a commission on that. Uh, Number 11, and then we're almost done here, create an environment where people are giving and contributing. You know, I'll add to this one, make sure that inside of your ecosystem, you have core values. So these could be the same core values of your company. What are your company core values? Most people think they have them, but they actually don't even know what they are. And you'll know if you have company core values, if you go ask every single one of your team members to tell you what the core values are and they have them memorized and everybody says the same thing. If your team can do that amazing, you have core values. Those same core values could be the core values for your program. So you may not need a separate set of core values teach your core values to your community members because it's also their responsibility to be upholding the core values. And if they're not upholding the core values, that's grounds to remove them from your program and terminate their contract. So part of creating an environment where people are giving and contributing, if you want to have a community feel and you want to develop what I'm talking about here, then all of your community members need to be wired As people who are givers and people who are contributors. The real estate investing mastermind that I'm in. Now, this is not a training program. There is no curriculum. The person who runs it is not the one teaching us anything. There is no portal to go read modules. There is no uh, tangible promise to the program because it is a mastermind community in the traditional sense of it, where we are bringing people together. It is member invite only, or you have to be invited by the the person who founded it and runs it. And we are told and reminded and taught over and over again, how to be, which is a giver and a contributor and what that actually looks like. Just got back from a a three-day event with all these people. I have never in my life, seen a group of 200 people who are thinking about everybody else more than they' are thinking of themselves. And I would say 85 percent of the room, 90 percent of the room, they are seven and eight, some of them even nine figure earners. They have big businesses, they have many businesses. they have bought and sold businesses. they have built businesses that they have turned around and sold. So these people have very successful track records and they are constantly trying to figure out how can they advance you, how can they give you opportunities who can they introduce you to how can you how can they add value to you and how can they help promote you obviously you want to be the same way now that is only going to happen if the leader is creating that type of culture and setting that tone all the time you can't just say it in the onboarding call right you can't just remind your community members when they first join you can't just say this at the level of marketing this is something that is built into the fabric of your community culture, which means there are ways that you are weaving and reminding them of this constantly. And then the, the last one I have already said, when I said number 11, I just sort of combined it, it's create core values and hold your clients to them, right? That is so, so important. The last thing that I will leave you with is understand and recognize that your community, your community, It is a, and when I say community, I'm not talking about your free Facebook community. I'm talking about the people who are investing to be in your ecosystem, in your programs. They have purchased your offers. These are your community members, okay? Uh, A community is a living, breathing, moving, evolving organism. It has life, which means it is always going to change, which means you must be nimble you must be able to adapt, and you must also move, grow, and evolve, and stretch, and change right along with them. My, in my 20s, I was a high school teacher, which I mentioned, and I taught three classes a semester. Our classes were 90 minutes, and then I would teach three more classes the next semester, so that's six separate groups of kids, teenagers. And then I also taught online. No two classes that I taught over the course of five years, teaching in person and then also online, that's a lot of classrooms, that's a lot of groups of kids. No two were the same. I could not teach them the same. I could not leave my classroom the same. They had different personalities. Some of my classes were like this, like everybody was like so quiet. I'm like, it was like pulling teeth to get anybody to talk. It's like, do I have a room full of introverts? Other groups were like, I had like a class that like everybody was super rambunctious and everybody was like they had ADD. And uh, I had to work with them in a very different way. And sometimes we as leaders think, oh, I've got to get everybody to conform to how I am. And I've got to get everybody to conform how I like to teach. No, that's not how you lead a community. You've got to recognize that you are going to have to move and flow with the community because they're always changing because people are always changing and no two people are alike and no two iterations of your community inside your programs are going to be alike. And so this is where you really have to understand people, understand communities, understand uh, leadership, understand how people are thinking and feeling and know that people, yes, they want to come learn. Yes, they want to get results. Yes, they want to advance themselves. More than that, more than that, what what keeps them there, what not just keeps them there. We're not talking about keeping people and getting them to pay against their will. We're not talking about manipulating people. We're talking about people who couldn't imagine their lives without being in the community that you and they have built together. That is what's going to create loyalty. That is what's going to create brand advocacy. That is what is going to create a world where your clients have your back because you have theirs and you're looking out for every single one of their best interests. Because at the end of the day, it is not about you. It is about them. So make it about them. If you love today's episode, which I, I hope you took down all the notes, and just go take one or two of these ideas back to your business, back into your programs. Stop looking at your programs like a program. Start looking at them like a community. Start looking at the people that you call clients or students as community members. Just go pick one or two of the points that I shared today and start integrating it. Integrate it not just implement it but integrate it into your programming into your ecosystem and environment and business and watch what happens. If you love today's episode, the hands down number 1 and it's pretty much the only way that we get to uh increase our listenership so that more people like you can hear what we are sharing and go change their lives as well. It's if you share this with other people. So Find the share button. I would so appreciate you if you shared this to an individual, if you shared it to your clients, friends, family, share it on your social media channels, however you found out about it, go share it. Give us a shout, tag me, Megan J. Huber. I'm Megan J. Huber everywhere. And I will make sure I reshare it so we can get you some airtime as well. Uh, But that would mean the world to me. And until next week, we'll be back again together next week remember to design a business and life that is built to last. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.